This is a Bergen Film Club podcast. Like an old movie, removed from frame, I am floating and looking for someone to blame. Won't you project me on the walls of your heart? Hello and welcome back to The Real Thing. I'm your host, Joe Lawrence, and we're back again for some more exciting podcasting. This podcast is an extension of Bergen Film Club or Bergen Film Society, where I talk about the films included in the film club's program. I talk about why they're cool, why you should go see them, and also why the board members chose these films. But today, we're doing stuff a little bit differently. We have a very exciting guest here with us today, the man, myth, legend, Wise John, a.k.a. Connor. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hey, Joe. Hey. Was that hi, a hi, good hi, mysterious listener crowd. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I'm glad that we finally arranged this. Me too. Yeah. It's been a while in the making. For sure. Yeah. Uh, me being extremely unpredictable and hectic, but uh, I think we're good now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, should I? I'm just going to call you Connor if that's cool. Wise yeah, that's John. fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your stage name. The stage name of Wise John. Connor makes the music for the podcast, mm. um, which I have to say, maybe this whole episode is just going to be, be me inflating your ego. Um, but, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I always get very high compliments on the music for the podcast. Yay. Yeah. Everyone is a big fan of the theme song. As am I. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's that's huge. <laughs> that was my it first that was my first contracted production work mm. that was not just me producing my own things. Yeah. I was very excited that you wanted to even work with us because uh, I'm a big fan, as you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was great. It made my mum cry. I don't know if I ever told you that. No. Oh, yeah. yes. She I was love like, making uh, mothers cry. That's... <laughs> she was moved by the music. Oh, yay. yeah. But it's very beautiful. And I'm also very thankful for the whole thing. So we're going to talk a little, a little bit about, about you and about your music and perhaps how that's could be linked to film or not or whatever we'll just see how mm. it goes but in classic real thing fashion we'll start with some recommendations mm. do you have anything that you want to hit out of the gate i mean i am i'm a bit of a luddite when it comes to visual media i don't know mm-hmm. i can i can talk about it somewhat convincingly but my like catalog of things that i have watched is notoriously low small amongst my friends but Mm -hmm. lately i i watched uh two shows that i didn't think that i was going to like and then ended up liking them a lot which were the boys and ted lasso 
Um, Ooh, okay. I thought that Ted Lasso was going to be too saccharine for me. I, I'm not. I, 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 I wouldn't think that I would like that, but it, it, it had a lot of heart and it was fun, and I was sad when I was watching it, and it became a way for me to not be sad, and then it got yeah, me yeah. through a sad point, and then, and then I felt, I felt good. And it was nice training wheels for me moving to a new town. <laughs> mm. um, and then the boys is just a, it's like, it's like a, it's a way for people who think of themselves as better than the Marvel movies to still enjoy a superhero movie because it's self-referential. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I liked it. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Uh, but yeah, I, the boys just got recently recommended it re- recommended to me uh, like two days ago, actually. So it's definitely on my watch list. It seems cool. a lot of fun. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's mm. an uncomfortable show. Yeah, but not not just because of the like gore or whatever. No. It's like uh, emotionally uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, for me, my the little story of how I came to watch these shows is my roommate has access to HBO Max and she is currently away so I have been using her HBO Max account Mm. Uh, I've been watching The Comeback featuring Lisa Kudrow and it Jesus Christ what can I say about it is just it's uncomfortable in the same way that it's like total kind of cringe comedy but it's done so Mm. perfectly lisa kudrow is iconic in the role of valerie cherish she the premise of the show is that she is kind of like this c-list actress who was on a sitcom maybe 10 15 years ago and she's kind of like fell by the wayside but she books a minor role on a new sitcom and then Mm. through that she gets this documentary the comeback and she thinks that like she just thinks that she's like julia roberts or something (laughs) and she has this idea that she's like this super famous actress but everyone's like kind of letting her do it but it's like it's really uncomfortable and it's kind of sad but it's very very funny and i've seen it described many times as the like the best tv show ever oh my god wow and it like it kind of is she it's just like she never misses a beat and the jokes are so good and dry and it's just like Lisa Kudrow has always been my favorite of the friends because I think she's very dynamic in the different things that she's been able to show and the comeback is a great exhibition of that so I've been watching that and secondly is a show that I've been wanting to watch for a really long time but I didn't have access until now it's called Love and Death uh yeah it's like a true crime story i guess about a woman who and a man who have an affair and they're all like involved in this very christian community and she propositions him to have an affair in like the kind of most pragmatic unsexy way she just gets in his car and says do you want to have an affair and he's like uh let me think about it and then they have an affair. Uh, but it's Elizabeth Olsen as the lead actress, and she is just unbelievable as always. Uh, Jesse Plemons 
who I'm in love with. He's just he plays such a sweetie, even though he's like being an adult there and he's kind of nasty to his wife. He's like very cute. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Lily Rape as well, who plays the wife of Jesse Plemons. But it's very good. And uh, I feel like maybe I won't give away the story because it, A, I don't feel uncomfortable talking about it because it's so, it's grisly, I would say, oh. the outcome. Uh, but also because it's great. And I think that if you could go into the show not knowing what happens, it would make it all the more exciting. But it's a very exciting show. It's like, it's tantalizing. <laughs> yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, I'm good with those. I'm sure that in the coming weeks, I'll have a lot more movie recommendations once I'm finished at the film festival. But uh, yes. Yeah, so shall we, shall we get into Wise John? Let's begin. Why don't you start just by telling me how you came? I'm sure it's a short story, but how you came to be uh, performing as Wise John. Uh, it's actually not really a short story. It's a pretty long story. Yeah, I'm um, here for it. Cool. I, um, it, you know, this is like one of those stories that's like, you can tell it with the benefit of hindsight in a way that seems very neat, but it took many years for me to arrive at this like understanding of, of myself, I guess, which yeah. uh, was a very overwhelming situation when I was younger, I suppose, but I've always been kind of caught in between two things, I think, which one of them is like technology and, and building things. Um, and the other one's music. And, you know, maybe this, I think maybe this is especially an American thing, but like there's, there's noise made about like, oh, you should be like a, you know, a, a well-rounded person. And, <clears throat> but that's always like in opposition to it's like, a, you know, you're not, you're, you're ought to, you ought to have one thing. Um, mm. you eventually you settle on a career and then you do your best to do important things there. And, uh, so I, I kind of like by default pick the engineering stuff because I was always good at the math and the physics and things and music was a hobby <clears throat> that like was my sort of emotional outlet for a long time um so I went to college and I got my undergraduate in computer engineering and um and a, a minor in Chinese which was an interesting oh. detour mm. uh and so I, I did all that and I'd been kind of doing music for fun and I'd been writing songs just by myself uh, at home for at that point you know four or five years and um I had no intention of doing anything with them I, I always thought it sounded pretty miserable to like be famous and not that I thought that my songs would make me famous but th the fact that I would go through all this effort to put them out to not want to be the place where everybody hopes that you'll be when you'll put songs out <laughs> seemed yeah. to me kind of ridiculous um so i i just kind of sat on them and then uh in 2019 like my life just kind of collapsed 
from like a variety of angles. <laughs> I, uh, I like, I have a lot of kind of big plans, I guess, for my life banking on the engineering stuff and a relationship that I was in. And I was kind of picking between a bunch of, a couple of different options. And I, my last semester I went and studied in Hong Kong in fall 2019, which if you tracked current affairs at the time was a bad time yeah. to be in Hong Kong. For sure. Um, and I, I'm also chronically ill. I have like chronic migraine headaches and some other stuff. Hmm. Um, and so there's, this has only happened to me twice in my life, but mostly like they're pretty manageable. Um, and sometimes they get worse. Sometimes they get better. I have like really good medications and I'm on a lot of them <laughs> and like some helpful things, like some glasses that I wear almost all the time. But sometimes like the set of conditions that I have will like coincide um, in an unfortunate way. And then I become like profoundly disabled. So it happened once in high school. Um, that was the first time when I sort of got diagnosed with all this stuff in my junior year. And it was like, am I going to die? Like nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. Whoa. I thought my life was over. Um, and I was just, you know, lying in the dark in my room for four months, unable to think or do anything. Just sort of, I, I describe it as like a, a coma light, you know, <laughs> like I was like <laughs> kind of still there and like okay. friends said that they talked to me, but I don't really really like remember much except for just like being in pain and not knowing where I was. <clears throat> um, so I kind of, I, you know, I sort of recovered from that and was able to like go to college and things, which was not a given uh, given that because the medicines ended up working pretty well and things. So I kind of thought I'd left it behind me. But then when I went to Hong Kong, um, it turned out like, I think it was a combination of the food. Like I have all these food allergies that trigger it. Um, and then also, I don't know. It's, it's like, I, I kind of live with like a body that's a little bit of a ticking time bomb. Um, in that like, I don't, I don't really know all of what causes me to get sick. Mm -hmm. And the only way to know is to <laughs> basically run experiments on myself. Um, yeah. And I have stuff in common with like other people that have similar things. So it's like good starting points. But anyway, the food was an issue in Hong Kong and then the protests were breaking out and all of the places that I could get groceries and things uh, were getting shut down. Um, yeah. And so I started getting really sick and I lost like right now I, I'm like, I'm, I'm six, four. Um, and I've always been pretty thin, like, mm -hmm. but Hong Kong, I was six, four and 140 pounds. Um, I was yeah. like a, like a walking skeleton. <laughs> and like, yeah. I also shaved my head for, for entirely separate reasons. I was like, cause I was in this relationship that, I thought was going to be, you know, the one, um, sure. And we were long distance and I was like, when am I going to be able to care less about what I look like? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I shaved my head, but then okay. I got really sick and I got like covered in burns from like an unrelated thing. Um, okay. and so I looked like I just walked out of Chernobyl, like, and I, yeah, there, there was this one like awful thing The the last time I like tried to basically like leave hong kong to do anything fun i visited a friend of mine in like 
uh, it's this island called Jinmen. Like, can men? It's it's off of like kind of the like most maybe like middle east china um mm -hmm. and there's like an island called xiamen that's like part of china and then jinmen is owned by taiwan but it's like in in sight of china um yeah. so it's kind of it's like they're always like a little bit afraid of like when china invades taiwan that's the, that's spot number one because it's right yeah. close by <laughs> but my friend was doing a, a fulbright there and i went and visited her and it was just like an absolute shit show. I was like in denial about how bad my health was getting. So I took a yeah. train up there and like wasn't super prepared and stayed the night in this like massage parlor that her that her like friend had recommended, uh, which had no Internet presence that I could find. And I kind of forgot that like, yeah, anyway, so I I paid them like $50 to stay the night and get like a three hour massage, which was insane. <laughs> like That was really cool. But then I woke up and my head was just like all messed up. I like I couldn't see straight and like I couldn't understand what anybody was saying because I get like language processing problems. And I was like, oh, oh no, this is not good because <laughs> I don't know how to get like I had to cross oh, the wow. island to get to the ferry and I'd run out of money. And so at some point I like passed out in the street and was just like asleep under a bench <laughs> and like. These like random people came up and were asking like if I needed to be taken to a hospital and I don't know how I got to my friend but I got there and then that's when she shaved my head. Uh, <laughs> eventually, I went went back to Hong Kong and made it back okay and then was just kind of stuck there. But um, I then the day the protests were getting worse and I was getting worse and I needed to be able to get home by myself because I you know, what was I going to do like pay somebody to get me on a plane i don't know like mm. so i left the program early um and flew home and just kind of like was semi-conscious for a couple months but the day that i was leaving my girlfriend at the time we kind of finally broke things off um and the things that i was thinking i was going to do was i was either gonna like uh go live in china if like things didn't end up working with with her um and like see if i could just get really fluent in mandarin and just go kind of have an adventure which mm -hmm. clearly became not an option because of how i reacted to living in hong kong which is like the easiest possible place to live in in china okay not at the time but yeah um for westerners but uh so there's that or i would go move to the city that she's from um or was living in seattle for mm -hmm. her and that became not an option uh and those were kind of my and then the other third was maybe go do a phd and i decided while i was there like it wasn't for me um so i kind of went home and my like body was wrecked and all of the things that i'd had planned for my life had like fallen through and i just kind of like i just didn't feel like I had anything and I couldn't leave home, you know, so I couldn't see any friends or really do anything. My parents were living in a town where I didn't like have any friends anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of there. Um, and the only thing that like got me through that, I, I guess what it was is there was like this moment when I was in Hong Kong and things were like really starting to get bad. And like, I realized that it would make me really sad if I died and like, 
all of my music that I'd written was just like voice memos because I, I listen to them and I know what they should sound like, you know, uh -huh. but, but like no one else could listen to them and know what they're supposed to sound like. Like the voice memos are kind of enough for me, but if I, I don't know, it just made me sad because it felt like I've done all of this stuff for what, you know? <laughs> um, so I decided I'd like try and put some of it out and me and another friend of mine who was like my best friend for a time, um, he was also studying abroad by coincidence in New Zealand and having quite a time of it. So we were sort of in a similar time zone. So we'd talk on the phone when I was in Hong Kong and plan making this album together because he was a producer. Mm -hmm. um, and so like spring of next year, when I was like feeling decent um, and I'd sort of like mostly landed a job that I was going to start like soonish. Um, <clears throat> like we, we went up to his, his like stepdad's cabin or his, his mom's cabin. I forget who's, who's originally it was and stayed there for like a month and a half and recorded this whole oh. album, uh, that you've never heard. And oh. it got most of the way done. Um, and then we went home. And then our lives just, I guess, kind of like went in separate directions. And that's a totally different story. Um, so long story short, we won't be able to put it out. But it was then and with him that like, I realized I wanted a pseudonym um, because I didn't, mm -hmm. at the time, I still was sort of, I had that like, I don't really want people to know who I am. I just want people to listen to the music. Um, yeah. And that turned out to be like, kind of with a little bit less naivety and like having interacted with the music stuff a little bit more, I realized like that was not realistic for me. Like my music is not Daft Punk's music, you know, like it's not, sure. it's not party music. It's like what people get from it, they get from it being attached to like a person, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to be a person for people to listen to my music but at the time I just wanted to like do something like gorillas where I'd have like an animated character that was yeah. something and so I came up we came up with the name wise John as like a filler because mm -hmm. uh, John is like the most generic name possible yeah <laughs> and also like half the guys in my family are named John in some capacity mm -hmm. um and then wise just I thought it was kind of funny because like who's this guy I think he is <laughs> and that's 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 the extremely long story that did yeah. not need to be that long sorry no no thank you for talking about that it's uh like sorry to hear that you had to go through all of that bad stuff to come to that conclusion i guess yeah it's all right i don't know it was just like in the darkest point of my life like a thing that or one of the darkest, not the darkest, but one of the darkest. It was like the thing that I was holding on to was like, maybe this will mean something to other people. Hmm. So then I decided to put things out. Hmm. So, yeah. So at least I notice in your stuff that I know that you put out, what kind of led you to this first album that you ended up making? Hmm. You mean like, a wonderful uh, like, world, the one that's out. Yes. Yeah. A wonderful world. That's what in, I mean. In my own personal notes, that's album two. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know there's, that. There's the yeah. lost album one. Wow. Um, lost tapes. 
Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I wrote that one mostly actually right, right before and also like, yeah, it was, it was mostly when it was 2021. So the pandemic had started. I'd been in sort of like my own personal pandemic for like six months already. And like, yeah. just as I was starting to get better, the whole world shut down and everyone was like freaking out about it. And I'm like, I've been here for months. You know, nothing about <laughs> solitude. <laughs> I'm prepared. You're nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, I was like staying at home with my parents and I'd started working this job, but was sort of like reckoning with, uh, I had a lot of anger in me, which is not something that, I'm like the least angry person in existence, like to a fault. Mm -hmm. There's times in my life when it's been a major problem because like someone has done, like pushed my boundaries or a friend's boundaries too far. And my instinct is to be like, well, I can see why they're doing this. And then like later mm -hmm. on, I realized, oh my God, I really should have gotten pissed off because then they would have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just had like a lot of anger. I realize now built up from the stuff that had happened, I guess that was like part of my response. And I was living with my parents and they live in like, at the time they're living in Newport beach, which is like, um, I'm, I'm lucky. My parents are pretty well off. Like, and so they were able to live in this place that is like the most bubble bubble that exists. Uh, right. It's like South of LA. It's where people go to, exist in the era of the 1970s America when it was the best time in the entire world to be a white man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and <laughs> you, yeah. And I just, it's, it is depending on your taste, a very beautiful place. Um, but I just was walking around and couldn't close my eyes to how the beauty was at the expense of like everywhere else. <laughs> Yeah, And that was what I attributed a lot of my anger to. Really, it was just, I was angry at like the world, I think. So I was writing this album, I guess, and I called it A Wonderful World, which is pretty sarcastic. Mm -hmm. um, that's where that, that came from. So it was, I wrote it in 2021, and then we recorded it in October 2021, and then mm. kind of did overdubs for the next six months because Alex, the producer that did it, did it, we did it as a profit split i didn't pay him at all we just mm. did it together with friends so he had to like fit it he kind of did it as like a hobby project between his other mm. production work so that's why it took so long to make yeah it's just yeah it being kind of that backstory of it kind of being like a sarcastic title kind of uh at least to me i'm just thinking the the title track mm. It is quite a sarcastic song. Yeah. Yeah. But I love, I think one of my favorite things in music is like when you make a song, my goal is always to make songs that stand alone sonically where it's like, because people listen to music in different ways. And yeah. I love people that don't pay attention to lyrics. I think like, like my, they're like my favorite listener in a way because like, the people that listen to lyrics, they'll get what I'm saying, like right away. And they're but they're not like a challenge, you know. They're they're gonna listen to what you're saying, 
to some degree, no matter what you say it. And then yeah, like, okay. you know, you, you want to like impress them. But for me, like the real success is if you can get someone who doesn't really know that they need lyrics or that lyrics can mean something to them in mm-hmm. music. Um, and then so they listen to your song. And you're like, oh, this is fun. And it like it sounds <laughs> one way. And then like five listens in, they finally notice the lyrics. And then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, this song means a completely different thing than I thought it did. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's what I tried to do with A Wonderful World is make it like sneak up on you where you listen mm-hmm. to it and it sounds nice. And then eventually you notice that the lyrics are like pretty angry. Yeah, for sure. I like, this is always something that I, for a lot of albums that I like, it's a criticism that I often see from critics is mm. uh, songs kind of hopping genre mm. in a way. And for me, I don't necessarily see that's an issue because to be honest, like, I think that album an album can be cohesive and still have different genre per song because it kind of adds to the cohesiveness of it in a way. But that's the vibe that I get from this this album of yours is that it's uh, a lot of different sounds in a way. So is it kind of like intentional to create kind of like a broader soundscape to discuss lots of different topics or or was it not anything like that that's an interesting question i mean i agree i i've like i I think life's too short to only write the same song over and over again that sounds the same (laughs) yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, i think like (laughs) i think the easiest or like one one truth is that I kind of came into that album like with no particular idea of what like it would sound like, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I had I I had one song specifically that turned out exactly the way I heard it in my head and everything else shifted, which the one song is uh, uh, Fall of Rome. Yes. That one, I I knew exactly what I wanted that to sound like. And it's actually kind of movie related, but um, mm. I, awesome. you know, that movie Battle of Algiers? Yeah. We yeah. watched that one time in history class in high school. And I like remember this scene in it where like there's this like line of like people getting kicked out of their homes. Um, and they're like walking past this guy in a tower who's like shouting at them in French through a megaphone. Mm-hmm. And like it's in black and white. And there's just this sort of like, I mean, shot wise, you can't generally see the people's faces. They're just like a stream. And I wanted to make a song that sounded like what that guy was shouting out of the megaphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that that was actually shown at the film club hmm. pretty recently we saw oh really yeah i didn't see it that long ago but it was um it was a tough watch but kind of cool that you watched you watched it in history class <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. It, it was a tough watch i i i would like to watch it again but i don't know if i have it in me you know i feel that yeah yeah definitely um Oh, yeah, you're asking about the genre stuff. I, mm. I have to give most credit to the way that albums shaped out genre and sonic 
Sonics wise to Alex who produced it. Okay. Because I, I wrote all the songs and we sort of came in with those with the exception of leaving LA, which like I sort of adjusted on the fly with some feedback from Alex and, and Adela. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I looked at it in retrospect and I was like, oh yeah, totally. This is how these songs are supposed to sound. Like hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> but I didn't come in. I think a lot of it reflected his sensibility. And then like, because he's really good, it's ended up being what I've wanted my song, my sound to be as I've gotten more cognizant of Sonics. But yeah, historically I like, I don't, I haven't really paid that much attention to like genre or, or the way things are produced, like mm -hmm. consciously. I mean, obviously like, Everybody that says that, they really do care. You just don't know that you care. Um, okay. Like, but the way that I thought of it is that I, I like, listen to the songs um, and not the, like, not the, the way they're dressed. Um, so yeah, I didn't have well-developed opinions on it at the time. But it sounds really nice to have a space to have a producer that you can kind of trust so much to help you get to the sound that you maybe don't know that you want. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just produced my album number three. Um, yeah. Mm. It's well, not done yet. Yeah. We can get to it briefly if you're okay talking about it, if it's like sneak preview, but sure. Uh, so from a wonderful world, which I just wanted to say that my favorite song is borderline. If you didn't know. Cool. Yeah. I love that. It's like sleeper, more strong hit, I think. <laughs> Interestingly, that is the one that is the least, sounds the least like what I thought that it was going to sound like. Really? Yeah. It was like, I I came in and I thought I wanted it to sound like kind of Sufjan Stevens-y. Yeah. Um, and Alex, the way that he did this was pretty funny. He was like, so what do you think this is going to sound like? And I said like some stuff and he was like, all right sounds good and then we recorded like the he, and then like as the recording session went on i was like maybe we could like do this and it'll sound a little bit like and he's like how about we just do this a little bit and then <laughs> like we finished that session and you know i hadn't heard any of his thoughts and he a week and a half later he like sends me a thing and it sounds like kind of like what borderline sounds like now which is this sort of radio heady like i don't know how you'd describe it it's like a lot of low end and kind of yeah. like dark um I just think it's like in my head, if I picture like an image of it, if I had to pick an image to the song, it's like driving on a bridge at my time. Cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah. And mm. I, I, my response to his first draft was like, I hate this. How do I tell him that I don't want him to do this anymore? <laughs> Oh yeah. And then, okay. And I I told him that I was like I think that we need to go in a totally different direction. He was like, "All right, sounds good. Uh, well, maybe we'll revisit it in a little bit." And then like three weeks later, I hit him up and I was like, "Yo, you didn't delete any of that, did you?" He's like, "No, no, I've been working on it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like he knows. He knows. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a wonderful world, which is. Album number two, I guess. Mm. Secret yes. album number two. Uh, but then we come to the Mr. Love Sunset Show. That's right. 
how did this little EP come about? Yes. Um, well, uh, <laughs> so the last four years have really all been, I think, after effects of 2019 for me, mm -hmm. like psychologically. And I'm sort of like, this third album has been me sort of trying to close the book um, and get closure. And I'm, I'm feeling in a, in a place where I, I guess I would say like the weight of the past is considerably diminished uh, yeah. for me. And so I'm sort of like running around trying to figure out what to do with myself now that there's not all this shit on my head. <laughs> so it's, it's great. It's a good place to be, but, uh, yeah. but I would say like, so one of the things that happened was in 2022, I was living in Oregon um, with some friends during the like pandemic. That was 2022, right? No, it was 2021. Mm. 2021. And a wonderful world was recorded in 2020. I got my I got my years mixed up. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. There we go. Yeah. A wonderful yeah. world was recorded in 2020, and also yes. was written in 2020. Okay. And then we skip ahead a year, and now it's 2021. And I'm living in Bend, Oregon with some friends. And I've been working this engineering job for a, about a year and a half at that point, I think. Um, and I was still just like, I guess like whatever was in my head was like coming to like a weird boiling point. And I was just kind of in a dark place. And some other stuff had happened. Like I lost a couple of friends um, to various things. Hmm. Deaths mostly, but also fights and things and i was just kind of feeling increasingly isolated and and like i'd guess i'd i'd always had an ambition with the engineering stuff i, I had an image of myself as like i wanted to make something that changed the world for the better you can dive into that psychologically i don't think i really believe in the, that approach to things anymore um mm -hmm. but like <clears throat> so I, I kind of had this idea, especially when I found that first job, which was like working for a, a, a startup and the hours really intense and um, like that it would be giving me like the meaning that I needed from my life. And then as like the other legs were sort of like kicked out from underneath me, it was like just me and that job and like three other friends who were just going through it <laughs> uh, yeah. in this town where we knew nobody. And like there was this moment where like, I, one of my friends had this like mental breakdown and he had his like stepdad pick him up and drive him up to his stepdad and his mom's place in like Southern Washington, which is like five hours, four hour drive away. And then like, he calls me, he's like, yo, I need to be back at work on Monday. Can you like come pick me up later? And I'm like, sure. I'll do anything to like get out of here right now. Yeah. Um, oh. So I drove up on Friday and I, it was just like, Eastern Oregon is so beautiful. It's it's like probably the most beautiful place I've ever been. You just like look west and there's these like the Cascades that's like mostly low mountains and there's just huge volcanoes sticking out of it. And wow. to the east, it gets it's like green and rolling, but it gets drier as it goes on. And so sometimes you can see just like so far away. Uh, and I was driving and then like, I think for the first time in like a long time, I just sort of started feeling kind of okay. And mm. I stopped at this like graveyard in this town with like a hundred people. <laughs> uh, and I was just sitting there and I brought my guitar and I was sitting like looking out 
and it hit me all of a sudden like this is the happiest i've been in like two two years and it has nothing to do with any of the things that i'm spending my life doing and that i thought would be like giving me meaning yeah and i like it just was like one of those moments where just like things like crystallize all at once and i was like i need to quit my job because i'm going downhill quickly <laughs> and mm -hmm. i need to try something new so i was like well it wasn't that i was like oh i have always had this dream to be a famous musician and now i finally get to go chase that it was more like well this isn't working and the only other obvious thing that i haven't tried was to do music full-time yeah i had some money saved up and so I kind of like started putting the plans in motion and I moved to New York and I got out of Bend and that sort of phase came to an end, I guess, which was good. Um, yeah. But I got to New York and in January I left my job and then I was sort of like, all right, let's figure out how to be an artist. Um, and I met some people. One of them was Quinn Devlin. I met him at a bar. He introduced himself as a professional drinker. But it turns out <laughs> that he was also a music producer. Cool. Um, but I think professional drinker still still applies. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he was cool and I liked his music. And so I was like, would you like to make something together? And he said, sure. And then so we recorded Mr. Love and Marry Another Man a month or two later. Okay. Um, when I was in New York and still sort of getting my feet as like a independent musician that was taking because sure. i'd like put out a wonderful world before but it was literally just uh i've made this thing i'm going to put it on spotify um, okay i didn't like think about it at all or do any promotion or i like barely had an instagram account so mr love sunshine show was the first time that i like you know i, I came into it and i had all of the like <laughs> energy that i used to be putting into being a computer engineer full-time in mm -hmm except now I was getting put into like trying to figure out the music business, which is not a task that I think I am super well suited for, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I tried and am, I suppose trying. Um, so I like promoted that and then it did pretty well. And that's how like most mm. people have found my music, which is funny because I think from the music side, I mean, the New York arc has been like a whole arc and I, I found a band there. I got together some folks and recorded some stuff with Quinn and with uh, Sahil who mixed the stuff that I did with Quinn and recorded some stuff with him. And there's still things to come out there. Um, so it's been like a whole arc, but like mm -hmm. musically, probably a little bit less formative than A Wonderful World, which most people haven't heard. Uh, they yeah. like my music these days. Cool. I I think that it's it's a really it's a wonderful EP. I think it has like a real nice cohesiveness to it. Um, I just thought we should just uh, if I could briefly talk about how we met. Yeah, totally. Super chance encounter. I think. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, um, and just kind of get up to speed how we got to right now. Uh, yeah, you were uh, visiting Bergen. That's right. Uh, and I'm sure you, maybe you can talk a bit more about it, about what you were up to, but I was just living my life doing my own normal shit. Got very drunk, went to my friend's house, 
uh well not in that order i went i went to my friend's house and got drunk weird i got wasted and i showed up at my friend's house and i said let's go to an open mic um because we've been a couple times before because one of his friends plays guitar very well so he likes to go and play uh and i right we got there quite late and then i just caught the maybe the last minute of this guy playing some kind of very different song i would say i think it was the like the yoga one. Oh, mr alvarado yes i need to put yeah. that out yeah and i was like this is really fun and what cool. is this guy's deal <laughs> because uh it was like it felt like kind of almost like open to me and that it was like serious but not serious and i thought the lyrics were a lot of fun and then later we were at the city rail stop and i was like hey it's like i played that song that i liked i'm gonna go talk to him and my friend was like please don't go talk to him <laughs> You, you're like you're really drunk don't talk to him but i did <laughs> i actually did not know that you were really drunk i, I, was very drunk. I, I did not yeah. give that impression that's so funny yeah <laughs> i uh, think i was completely sober i don't think that i'd had a single drink because i couldn't have okay. any of the drinks at the bar they were all like they all had like stuff in them that i can't have <laughs> mm. okay that's so funny so you were hammered yeah basically no. <laughs> But then I think somehow we ended up exchanging social media. And then, uh, yeah, and then I came and hung out with you later in the week. And then, but I think that I listened to your music in the meantime I, of that week. I was like, I'm going to check this guy out and I listened to A Wonderful World. And I was like, this is sick. <laughs> dope. It's dope. Yeah, it was like really, uh, it fits the vibe of, of stuff that I like because I kind of, esoteric commentary music that has very good production you uh you introduced me to wise blood because yeah. you said that it reminded you of her album and i listened to it i was yeah. like oh my god this album is so cool so mm. i was both very honored and i i now like use her as like a mental reference for stuff so Ooh, cool but yeah it was kind of like wise blood and also father john misty it's like oh. a few artists that i really revere and think you have a similar writing style too in a way thanks so I, it's kind I, of like yeah. the father john misty side that is like i would say i would have been consciously aware of that because mm. I, I really liked him in college um, yeah well, not that uh, i don't like him anymore but it's just mm, like, yeah I, I, like yeah that was my heyday yeah i just I've recently been re-listening to Pure Comedy, mm. uh, the album, and it's just, yep, it's uh, as good as I remember. <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then later that semester, I was kind of more involved in the film club, and they, they someone offhand just said that they'd wanted to start a podcast, but they had no one to do it. Mm. And then I was like, I will do it if you don't mind me inserting myself into this conversation, but I will do this podcast. And then immediately I was like, 
I know who to ask for the logo and I'm going to ask Connor to do the music. Cool. Yeah. And I'm very glad that you said yes, because it's very nice. The end. The end. Yeah. A beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, I feel really pleased with the way that it worked out. And it's like, it's lovely listening to it every time that I'm editing. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. I'm happy with how it turned out too. I, I definitely yeah. like, it's one of those things where I learned a lot from it. So if I were to do it again and do it slightly different, but then that's mm. everything. I think with music, sure. you're like, probably with any art, just music is what I know. Like your goal is not to capture perfection because that doesn't exist. Your goal is to capture the truth in a moment. And like the truth of any song in that moment is like you are who you are and you use the facilities that you have to express something that you're feeling because like in a minute or a day or a week, that thing that you're feeling is gone. And mm -hmm. while you're chasing perfection, the reason why you're making the thing has slipped out from your hands. So the... This, the the theme song you know it was it, it's an imperfect work but it, it it catches the vibe of what i was doing at the time and so in that Absolutely. respect i'm happy with it <laughs> hmm. i'm glad yeah. uh i thought just to round up i'm gonna put you on the spot really terribly okay and ask you to maybe pick four in classic letterbox style, I'll ask you to pick four of your favorite films, mm. um, but maybe also musically influential in a way, or like what films could kind of drive that inspiration. Okay. And All they right. can be as outrageous or highbrow as you want. Uh, there is absolutely no judgment. Okay. So I will say first that largely because of what my relationship to music is which is like pretty you know it's like a creator's view of it um which like comes with immense privileges i guess but you mm -hmm. also lose something when you gain something and when you like spend a lot of time making things and figuring out how to make them then you lose a little bit of the like beginner's year you know, of like, yeah. you just listen to something and it sounds like magic um, and you have no idea what it's done. And that that feeling kind of comes rarer and rarer as you get better at making something. Yeah. Um, so I very deliberately, I know nothing about movies. I'm happy to know nothing about movies. I can talk yeah. about them. Like mm -hmm. I, I've done, I've done my liberal arts classes where I write about movies, you know, <laughs> but mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't know. Like I try not to be anything more than like interested. Like I try not to let myself dive too far into it because I like the experience of like, I go to the, you know, to the movie theater, I watch something on TV and I'm like, wow, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, totally. This is not going to be a very well-informed list, but. <laughs> That's totally okay. Like I famously say that I have not really seen a movie that I haven't enjoyed. Cool. Like. I I I don't I don't think that there's any need to be exclusionary just because it doesn't fit some kind of set of regulations that has been dictated by some fancy directors. Like you watched it, you enjoyed it. That's the end. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, off the top of my head, 
my my girlfriend was just showing me uh uh she likes Tarantino and I hadn't mm-hmm. watched much of him. We watched Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume Two. And I really Grace. thought those were spectacular. They His like Grace. attention to detail is incredible. It's like everything yeah. in the scene is like it 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 it's like in alignment. And it's hard to explain exactly like what I mean by that, but I'm sure everybody that watches it knows, you know? Like it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also like it's like it feels like a story that somebody needed to tell because they've been through it, but it's about a bunch of fake people that don't exist. I don't know how you do that, you know? Like <laughs> Yeah. It's it's convincing. It's so convincing. Yeah. And so I'm just gonna put that on there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kill Bill one or two. And then and then uh just as a nod to my younger self, when I was a kid, I like I read a lot of books. And I was kind of insufferable about movies because I was like, I don't want to watch the movie. I'm going to read the book. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So like <laughs> I never saw Harry Potter or like oh. any of any of the big like stuff that came out when I was a kid. And because uh, I was too busy being a, a stuck up dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, people would ask me what my favorite movies, movie was and I had to have some kind of answer. So I just like had an answer which was a movie that i saw at a friend's like sleepover birthday party and it i thought it was just cool of his dad to let us watch it because it was like slightly inappropriate <laughs> which was okay which was space balls which in retrospect is so funny because it's like not inappropriate at all <laughs> <laughs> okay cool. but it's you know in ret- like i've watched it again as an adult and i'm like this movie is not that good like at all and also, mm-hmm. I'd never seen Star Wars or Star Trek, so I had none of the context necessary to understand yeah, that okay. movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's very but, fun. Yeah, that's on there. And then mm. two last ones. Just, I really liked the Notebook. Okay. I um my my mom's parents both died of Alzheimer's, and mm. the like ending of that movie really it struck me as really beautiful. Like still trying, you know. Yeah. Um. Oh wait, actually, I do have one. This okay, this like it. I it, it's a really shallow and dumb reason to put it on there, but uh, I forget if it was. I think it was. It was like Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, I really liked the way music was integrated in that movie. Mm. Like the the because the premise, if I remember correctly, was like the main character, Baby Driver, is like uh he has tinnitus so Mm -hmm. like he has to be listening to music all the time and like everything that movie was synced up to like really good music i kind of feel similarly about guardians of the galaxy like that the soundtrack of that first music is merch first movie is so good yeah like i i I liked that i just found both of those like you know they're not deep movies you can say whatever you want about them but the music Mm -hmm. the soundtrack like i love the like jukebox musical kind of thing yeah for sure those two have great soundtracks. Okay. Good, good film choices. I was just gonna say, I don't know how you feel about horror. And I you mm. know, I can feel my board me- board member eye rolls coming that I'm gonna talk about this. But I think it kind of ties nicely into a little bit what you were talking about. There is a film called Pearl, which came out. Pearl. Oh yes, that's the it it's that's the one with the gal who like is insane and kills. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, 
Oh, I watched that. It was so good. Holy shit. It was Great. horrifying. Yeah. But I love, like, when I watched it, I told, I was like, I am finding myself identifying with this character more so than I've ever identified with any character before. Because wow. it's it's this total small town art struggle huh. that she dreams right. of, a, of a bigger life. Are you from and a small town? Yeah, like I'm from a little village on the coast. Cool. And I guess like in the same ways, like I do film stuff, but I also don't talk about that. I like, I have a science career and that's right. happening at the same time. But I'd never talk about it, but like just the kind of reality of like, what does that look like to someone who doesn't get to mm. achieve their dreams? Right. Yeah, which is kind of what that story is for that film. So I kind of I felt that like anxiety that she feels, right, in that film. But then also like... that it, it's happening to someone who, like you, I think that that is totally one of the most amazing things about that movie is that you identify yeah. with the the character. But then they kind of do this like rug pull where it's like, oh my god, she's like, she's <laughs> she's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was just like the struggle of her i feel like mm. can a lot maybe a lot of creative people can identify maybe not with the murder but with the like dreams of escaping yeah uh not yeah. just a small town but like escaping your life and your expectation in a way but i guess it's also kind of similar to your story except you didn't kill anyone i didn't that 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 you know of very true yeah but thank you so much for being on this has been really great thanks for talking all about your music journey it's been really interesting to listen to cool i'm sad it's over that was fun yeah uh, it's always interesting to have to synthesize your your life in all of its Mm. messiness into a convincing narrative (laughs) yeah you did it very convincingly Thank you. I strive always <laughs> to be convincing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's great. Uh, again, thank you very much. And also, thank you to the listener for listening. Please go check out Wise John's extensive, brilliant catalog. And uh, new music coming soon, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for caring about my music, Joe. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's no problem. <laughs> Okay, thanks for listening. Goodbye. This has been a Birkin Film Club production. Our music is by Wise John. Check them out on Instagram at WISE John Official. Our logo is by Pierre Sophia Brentesen. This episode was produced, mixed, and engineered by Joe Lawrence. Our researchers are Inke Schilfgeibern and Mamina Nazmajit. Want to talk to us about films? please send us an email at podcast at bergenfilmclub.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TheRealThingPod. Check us out on Letterboxd at BFK TheRealThing. Thank you and goodbye. Listen, follow, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts.